George, I wish you'd look at the nursery. What's wrong with it? I don't know. Well, then, I just want you to look at it, is all. Or call a psychologist to in to look at it. But what a psychologist want with a nursery? You know very well what he'd want. His wife was standing in the middle of the kitchen, watching the stove busy humming to itself, making supper for four. It's just that it's different now than it was. All right, let's have a look. They walked down the hall of their happy life home, which had cost them $30,000 with everything included. This house which clothed and fed and rocked them to sleep, and played and sang and was good to them. Their approach was sensed by a hidden switch and the nursery light turned on when they came within 10 feet of it. Similarly, behind them, in the halls, lights went on and off automatically as they left behind them. Well, said George Hadley, they stood on the grass-like floor of the nursery. It was 40 feet across by 40 feet long and 30 feet high. It had cost half again as much as the rest of the house, but nothing's too good for our children, George had said. The room was silent and empty. The walls were white and two-dimensional. Now as George and Lydia Hadley stood in the center of the room, the walls made a quiet noise and seemed to fall away into the distance. Soon an African belt appeared and three dimensions on all side in color. It looked real, to the smallest stone in the yellow summer grass. The ceiling above them became a deep sky with a hot yellow sun. George Hadley started to sweat from the heat. Let's get out of the sun, he said. This is a little too real, but I don't see anything wrong. Wait a minute, you'll see, said his wife. Now hidden machines were beginning to blow a wind, containing prepared smells toward the two people standing in the middle of the baked belt. The hot straw smell of lying grass, the cool green smell of the hidden waterhole, the strong dried blood smell of the animals, the smell of the dust-like red pepper in the hot air, and now the sounds, the thump of the distant antelope feet on sloppy grass grounds, the papery rustle of vultures. A shadow passed through the sky. George Hadley looked up, and as he watched the shadow move across his sweating face, horrible creatures, he had heard his wife say. The vultures. You see, there are lions, far over that way. Now they're on their way to the waterhole. They've just been eating, said Lydia. I don't know what. Some animal, George Hadley, had put his hand above his head to block off the burning light and look carefully. A zebra or a baby giraffe, maybe? Are you sure? His wife sounded strangely nervous. No, it's a little too late to be sure, he said with a laugh. Nothing over there, I can see, but clean bone, and the vultures dropping for what's left. Did you hear that scream? she asked. No. About a minute ago? Sorry, no. The lions were coming, and again George Hadley had filled with respect for the brilliant mind who had come up with the idea of this room. A wonder of efficiency selling for an unbelievably low price. Every home should have one. Oh, occasionally they frightened you with their realism. They made you jump, gave you a scare. But most of the time, they were fun for everyone, not only your own son and daughter yourself, when you felt like you needed a quick trip to a foreign land, a quick change of scenery. Well, here it was. And here, and here were the lines now, 15 feet away. They looked so real, so powerful, and shockingly real, that you could feel the hair stand up on your back of your neck. Your mouth was filled with dusty smell of the heated fur. The yellow of the lions and the summer grass was in your eyes, like a picture in an expensive French wall hanging. And there was the sound of the lions' quick, heavy breaths in the silent midday sun, and the smell of the meat from their dripping mouths. The lions stood looking at George and Lydia Hadley,
with terrible green-yellow eyes. Watch out, screamed Lydia. The lions came running at them. Lydia turned suddenly and ran. Without thinking, George ran after her. Outside in the hall, after they closed the door quickly and noisily behind them, he was laughing and she was crying. And they both stood shocked at each other's reaction. George, Lydia, oh my dear poor sweet Lydia, they almost got us. Walls, Lydia, remember. Glass walls, that's all they are. Oh, they look real, I must admit. Africa in your living room. But it's all created from three-dimensional color film behind glass screens. And the machines that deliver the smells and sounds to go with the scenery. Here's my handkerchief. I'm afraid. She came to him and put her body against him and cried as he held her. Did you see? Did you feel? It was too real. Now, Lydia, you've got to tell Wendy and Peter not to read any more in Africa. Of course, of course. He patted her. Promise? Sure. And lock the nursery for a few days until I can get over this. You don't know how difficult Peter is about that. When I punished him a month ago by locking it for even a few hours, the way he lost his temper. And Wendy, too. They live for the nursery. It's got to be locked. That's all there is to it. All right. Although he wasn't happy about it, he locked the huge door. You've been working too hard. You need a rest. I don't know. I don't know, she said, blowing her nose, sitting down in a chair that immediately began to rock and comfort her. Maybe I don't have enough to do. Maybe I have time to think too much. Why don't we shut the whole house off for a few days and take a vacation? You mean you want to fry my eggs for me? Yes, she nodded. And mend my socks? Yes, she nodded again excitedly, with tears in her eyes. And clean the house? Yes, yes, oh yes. But I thought that's why we bought this house, so we wouldn't have to do anything. And that's just it. I feel like I don't belong here. The house is wife and mother now, and nurse for the children. Can I compete with an African belt? Can I take a bath and cl clean the children as efficiently or quickly as the automatic body wash can? I cannot. And it isn't just me, it's you. You've been awfully nervous lately. I suppose I have been smoking too much. You look as if you didn't know what to do with yourself in this house either. You smoke a little more every morning and drink a little more every afternoon. And you are taking more pills to help you sleep at night. You're beginning to feel unnecessary too. Am I? He thought for a moment as he tried to feel him into himself to see what was really there. Oh, George, she looked past him at the nursery door. Those lions can't get out there, can they? He looked at the door and saw a shake up as if something had jumped against it from the other side. Of course not, he said. At dinner, they ate alone, for Wendy and Peter were at a special plastic fair across town. They had called home earlier to say they'd be late, so George Hadley, deep in thought, sat watching the dinner table produce warm dishes of food from the machines inside. We forgot the tomato sauce, he said. Sorry, said a small voice within the table, and the tomato sauce appeared. As for the nursery, thought George Hadley, it wouldn't hurt for the children to be locked out of it for a while. Too much of anything isn't good for anyone, and it was clearly indicted that the children had been spending a little too much time on Africa. That sun, he could still feel it on his neck, like a hot paw, and the lions, and the smell of the blood. Remarkable how the nursery read the thoughts in the children's mind and created life to fill their every desire. The children thought lions, and there were lions. The children thought zebras, and there were zebras. Sun, sun, giraffes, giraffes. Death and death. That last, he ate the meat that the table had caught for him, without tasting it. Death thoughts. They were awfully young, Wendy and Peter, for death thoughts. Or no, you were never too young, really. Long before you knew what death was, you were wishing it on someone else. When you were two years old, you were shooting people with toy guns. But this, the long, hot African belt, 
the awful death in the jaws of a lion and repeated again and again. Where are you going? Georgia didn't answer Lydia. He was too busy thinking of something else. He let the light shine softly on ahead of him. Turn off, turn off behind him as he walked quietly to the nursery door. He had listened against it. Far away, a lion roared. He unlocked the door and opened it. Just before he stepped inside, he heard a faraway scream, and then another roar from the lions, which had died down quickly. He stepped into Africa. How many times in the last year had he opened this door and found Wonderland with Alice and the Mock Turtle, or Aladdin and his magical lamp, or Jack Pumpkinhead of Oz, or Doolittle, or the cow jumping over the very looking moon? All the most enjoyable creations of an imaginary world. How often had he seen Pegasus and the winged horse flying in the sky ceiling, or seen explosions of red fireworks, or heard beautiful singing? But now is yellow hot red Africa, this oven with murder and heat. Perhaps Lydia was right. Perhaps they needed a little vacation from the fantasy, which was growing a bit too real for ten-year-old children. It's all right to exercise one's mind in unusual fantasies, but when the lively child's mind settled on one pattern, it seemed that at a distance for the month, he had heard lions roaring and noticed their strong smell which carried as far away as the study door. But being busy, he had paid no attention. George Hadley stood on the African belt alone. The lions looked up from their feeding, watching him. The only thing wrong with the image was the open door. Through it, he could see his wife far down the dark hall, like a framed picture. She was still eating her dinner, but her mind was clearly on other things. Go away, he said to the lions. They did not go. He knew exactly how the room should look, should work. You set out your thoughts, whatever you thought would appear. Let's have Aladdin in his lamp, he said angrily. The belt remained. The lions remained. Come on, room, I demand Aladdin, he said. Nothing happened. The lions made soft noises in the hot sun. Aladdin. He went back to dinner. The full room's out of order, he said. It won't change. Or, or what? Or it can't change, said Lydia, because the children have thought about Africa and lions and killing so many days that the room's stuck in a pattern it can't get out of. Could be. Or Peter's set to remain that way. Set it? He may have gone to the machinery and fixed something. Peter doesn't do know machinery. He's wise one for ten, that IQ of his. But... Hello, Mom. Hello, Dad. The Hadley's turn. Wendy and Peter were coming happily in the front door, with bright blue eyes and a smell fresh of air on their clothes from the trip in the helicopter. You're just in time for supper, said both parents. We're full of strawberry ice cream and hot dogs, said the children, holding hands. But we'll sit and watch. Yes, come and tell us about the nursery, said George Hadley. The brother and sister looked at him, then at each other. Nursery? All about Africa and everything, said the father with a false smile. I don't understand, said Peter. Your mother and I were just traveling through Africa. There's no Africa in the nursery, said Peter, simply. Oh, come on now, Peter, we know better. I don't remember any Africa, said Peter to Wendy. Do you? No. Run. See and come tell. She did as he told her. Wendy, come back here, said George Hadley, but she was gone. The house lights followed her like fireflies. Too late, he realized. He had forgotten to lock the nursery door after his last visit. Wendy, look and come tell us, said Peter. She doesn't have to tell me. I've seen it. I've sh I'm sure you're mistaken, father. I'm not. Peter, come along now. But Wendy was back. It's not Africa, she said breathlessly. We'll see about this, said George Hadley. 
and they all walked down the hall together and opened the door. There was a green, lovely forest, a lovely river, a purple mountain, high voices singing, and there was Rima, the bird girl, lovely and mysterious. She was hiding in the woods with colorful butterflies like flowers coming to life, flying about her long hair. The African belt was gone. The lions were gone. Only Rima was here now, singing a song so beautiful that it brought tears to your eyes. George Hadley looked in at the change scene. Go to bed, he said to the children. They opened their mouths. You heard me. They went off into the air, too, where wind blew them like brown leaves up to their sleeping rooms. George Hadley walked through the forest scene and picked up something that lay in the corner, near where the lions had been. He walked slowly back to his wife. What is that? she asked. An old wallet of mine, he said. He showed it to her. The smell of hot grass was on it, and the smell of a lion. It was wet from being in the lion's mouth. There were tooth marks on it, and there was dried blood on both sides. He closed the door and locked it tight. They went up to bed, but they couldn't sleep. Do you think Wendy changed it, she said at last, in the dark room? Of course. Made it from a belt into a forest and put Rima there instead of lions? Yes. Why? I don't know. But it's staying locked until I find out. How did your wallet get in there? I don't know anything, he said. Except that I'm beginning to be sorry we brought them that room for the children. If children are suffering from any kind of emotional problem, a room like that... It's supposed to help them work off their emotional problems in a healthy way. I'm starting to wonder. His eyes were wide open, looking up at the ceiling. We've given yeah. the children We've given the children everything they ever wanted. Is this a reward? Secrecy? Not doing what we told we tell them? Who has it said children are carpets? They should have be stepped on occasionally. We've never lifted a hand. They're unbearable. Let's admit it. They come and go when they like. They treat us as if we're the children in the family. They're spoiled and we're spoiled. They've been acting funny ever since you wouldn't let them go to New York a few months ago. They're not old enough to do that alone. I explained. I know, but I've noticed they've been decidedly cool towards us since. I think I'll have David McLean come tomorrow to have a look at Africa. But it's not Africa now. It's South American Rima. I have a feeling it'll be Africa again before then. A moment later, they heard screams, two screams, two people screaming from downstairs, and then a roar of lions. Wendy and Peter aren't in their rooms, said his wife. He lay there in bed with a beating heart. No, he said. They've broken into the nursery. Those screams, they sound familiar. Do they? Yes, awfully. And although their beds tried very hard, the two adults couldn't be rocked to sleep for another hour. A smell of cats was in the night air. Father? asked peter next morning yes peter looked at his shoes he never looked at his father anymore nor at his mother you aren't going to lock up the nursery for good are you that all depends on what said peter sharply on you and your sister if you break up this africa with a little variety oh sweden perhaps or denmark or china i thought we were free to play as we wished you are within reasonable limits what's wrong with africa father Oh, so now you admit you've been thinking up Africa, do you? I wouldn't want the nursery locked up, said Peter coldly, ever. Matter of fact, we're thinking of turning the whole house off over about a month. Live sort of a happy family existence. That sounds terrible. Would I have to tie my own shoe instead of letting the machine do it? And brush my own teeth? And comb my hair? And give myself a bath? It'd be fun for a change, don't you think? No, it would be horrible. I didn't like it when you took out the picture painter last month. That's because I wanted you to learn how to paint all by yourself, son. I don't want to do anything but look and listen and smell. 
What else is there to do? All right, go play in Africa. Will you shut off the house sometime soon? We're considering it. I don't think you'd better consider it anymore, father. I won't have any threats from my son. Very well, said Anne Peter walked off to the nursery. Am I on time, said David McLean. Breakfast, said George Hadley. Thanks, had some. What's the trouble? David, you're a psychologist. I should hope so. Well then, have a look at our nursery. You saw it a year ago when you dropped by. Did you notice anything unusual about it then? Just then they heard the children calling. Daddy, Mommy, come quick. Quick! They went downstairs in the air tube and ran down the hall. The children were nowhere in sight. Wendy? Peter? They ran into the nursery. The vault was empty, save for the lions waiting, looking at them. Peter? Wendy? The door closed loudly. Wendy? Peter? George Hadley and his wife quick turned quickly and ran back to the door. Open the door, cried George Hadley, trying to handle. Why? They locked it from the outside. Peter! He beat at the door. Open up! He heard Peter's voice outside against the door. Don't let them switch off the nursery in the house, he was saying. Mr. and Mrs. Hadley beat at the door. Now don't be silly, children. It's time to go. Mr. McLean will be here any minute. And and then they heard the sounds. The lines were on three sides of, of them in the yellow velt grass. They walked quietly through the dry grass, making long, deep, rolling sounds in their throats. The lions. Mr. Hadley looked at his wife, and they turned. They looked back at the beast, edging slowly forward, knees bent, tails in the air. Mr. and Mrs. Hadley screamed, and suddenly they realized why those screams had sounded familiar. Well, here I am, said David McLean from the nursery door. Oh, hello. He looked carefully at the two children seated in the center of the room, eating a little picnic lunch. On the far them, he could see a water hole in a yellow belt. Above it was a hot sun. He began to sweat. Where are your father and mother? The children looked up and smiled. Oh, they'll be here directly. Good. We must get going. At a distance, Mr. McLean saw the lions fighting over something, and then quieting down to feed in silence under the shady trees. He put his hands to his eyes to block out the sun and looked at them. Now the lions were done feeding. They moved to the water hole to drink. A shadow moved over Mr. McLean's hot face. Many shadows moved. The vultures were dropping down from the burning sky. A cup of tea? asked Wendy in the silence.